Coming Out Black is recorded on unceded Aboriginal land. We wish to acknowledge and pay our respects to our elders, past, present, and extend that respect to mob listening today. My name's Matika Little. And my name's Courtney Hagen. And we're two queer Indigenous women passionate about representation for our community. We've created this podcast to share our stories and we want you to join us on the journey. You're listening to Coming Out Black. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Coming Out Black. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to give a brief introduction into what you're about to hear. Today I'm sitting down with Jane Ellen, a proud queer Indigenous woman who's dedicated herself to ending the disparities between Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and non-Indigenous peoples. She's passionate about closing the education gap, elevating community health, and advocating for inclusion and representation. Jane is also currently the coordinator of the Aboriginal Project at ACON and is producing the First Nations float for Mardi Gras 2021. Today, I wanted to sit down with her to chat about the message behind the First Nations float for this year. It's an incredibly powerful and moving message that really showcases what's important and what's happening in our community today. So as you listen and watch the parade tomorrow, please make sure that you're keeping in mind the incredibly powerful message the First Nations float has brought to you. We hope you enjoy listening to this week's episode and don't forget to like and share with those around you. Yay, we're here! Um, Welcome, Jane. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm really excited for our conversation. Of course, people already know a little bit about you, but I want you to introduce yourselves in your own words. Hello, how are you? How is your spirit? I'm the Rainbow Lorikeet. I'm Jane. I'm from the land of many echidnas. I'm from Mijimbul, Mananjali, Yukambe, Dungadi Nations. Thank you for having me here today. That's amazing. Thank you. That's Thank really, you. it's always um, really beautiful to hear people speaking really proudly in their language. Um, I know that last year, was it last year? Or maybe the year before I started um, learning a bit more of my language, like more than you just sort of grow up with. And that was like a really wonderful part for me. Um, to like if I'm doing acknowledgement at work or something to be able to say hello and welcome in my language so thank you for sharing that with us as well. Absolutely I mean I feel so honoured that I'm able to learn parts of my language and it's definitely a new practice for me and something that I'm trying to implement in everyday life so I do the same when I'm opening a meeting or I'm meeting somebody new I'll try to like prioritise speaking in language first so yeah thank you so much for having me today and allowing me to share my language with you. Yay okay so the topic of today's podcast is also surrounding the First Nations float in the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras for this year, which is practically your whole world at the moment because you're a key organiser for it, of course. Tell us a bit about what the process is like getting a float like this up and going. Yeah, look, it's an intense process and it goes for months and months of leading up to parade. Um, We start planning about the middle of last year. We start planning, we start doing community consultations to lock down the theme and the key concepts. 
Um, and then once the new year rolls around, it's really like head down into the work. Um, so we're like six days away from parade at the moment. So everything is crazy, but really, really exciting. This year's a completely new format. So um, it's a lot of new challenges to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. I've been in the parade once before, and that was also in the First Nations float. Um, and that was like a really, really powerful moment for me. I, I genuinely feel like it was the first time that my queer community and my cultural community really melded into one. And I got to be so proud of both of those aspects of me at once, because, you know, like you live, we talk so much in community about walking in two worlds. And when we talk about like the colonized world, the white world and our cultural world. Um, and I feel like that kind of exists a little bit in the queer community because it's so much easier to engage in aspects of queer community, especially if you've moved away from country and community like I have um, than it is sometimes to connect in with community so it's easy to like go out to um, a gay bar. Did you grow up in Sydney? Did, have you been able to like connect with this area of community your whole life? So I grew up in Wollongong so not too far from Sydney but I was born and raised down in Wollongong um, and heavily involved in the Aboriginal community down there but not heavily involved in the queer community and it's like you're saying sometimes you have to pick and choose which aspect of your identity you want to engage with on that day. Um, for me growing up I guess um, I was heavily involved in the community because of my family were really um, involved down there but coming to Sydney it's been an amazing eye-opener to be involved in both aspects through my role and through my connections here in this community being able to celebrate both my queer identity mm -hmm. and my black identity in the same space at a venues like NCA at the First Nations Mardi Gras float um, I think that's something that we need to celebrate we definitely need to see more of those spaces yeah and it's really cool to see in the last sort of few years there are so many more organisations that are really specifically dedicated to celebrating both of those aspects of MOB. So like you have Black who you've been working really closely with um, on the parade today. We have First Nations Rainbow. We have Black Rainbow who talk about mental health and suicide prevention. Um, but how is it that you identify and how did you come to your role in ACON working on the float? Yeah, so I identify as a queer woman. I'm also pansexual. Um, for me, I've always known that I've been open to all genders and gender experiences within my sexuality. Um, I think, you know, as a young Aboriginal person, you face a lot of racism and discrimination. So coming to terms with my uh, sexuality was a bit of a... I was always proud of it, but it was a bit of a, like, do I start to share this with people because I'm already facing discrimination as a black face? So do I, you know, continue to share more vulnerable parts of me? So moving to Sydney has definitely been um, an opportunity for me to really, like, wave my flag proudly um, and take up space um, and really kind of get comfortable with my sexuality. So I've been really lucky in that sense. Um, through my role at Acon, I've been, like, exposed to so many beautiful black queer people that it's just... You know, it just fills you with pride to be able to connect with so many people from across the country um, who share the same experience as you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think meeting more and more queer Indigenous people, the first time I met someone else who was black and queer was actually my first time marching in the flow. And there was the person that was organising at the time. And I was like, what? Someone like me? This is crazy. <laughs> um, and it really, it, it closes that, that sometimes what had felt like a strict line in the past of this is my cultural community and this is the, the queer part of me and the cultural part of me. And it really melds those two parts together. So you don't feel like you're jumping into different boxes at certain times. And I think the experience of going and marching in the float is that 
opportunity to celebrate all that is our community without separating those things. Absolutely, it's so important. I mean, for me, as a young girl in high school, I used to get on the train and get up to Sydney to watch the parade, um, you know, from when I was about 13, 14 years old, and I did that for about a decade. And it was in 2019, I was standing on Oxford Street with a friend and um, we watched the First Nations float go by and I turned to her and I was like, next year I'm going to be on that float. Like, <laughs> I've been watching it for a decade now, like it's my time to shine, I want to be there, I want to be there. Um, and it turned out the next year, 2020 actually was organising the float. Yay. So it was such a like, it was such a moment of manifestation for me that I was like, oh my God, this is exactly where I need to be. Um, and you know, ever since then I've just been so, so blessed to continue to work with people like yourself, you know, being invited onto this podcast is such a beautiful space for us to share our stories as well. Yeah, totally. Okay. So speaking more about the float this year, like you said, it, it is a really different uh, format. Not only that it's not actually being run down Oxford Street, that it's going in SCG, isn't it? That, that's the crit. I know sports. <laughs> um, and it's going to look different, but not only is it going to look different to how we've seen the, the parade in general, but I also think because I'm also part of the float with you this year as well, it feels really different and it feels really strengthened and powerful as a result of what's happened in the last sort of year and a half with the pandemic. Um, tell us a bit about what the, the sort of theme of the float this year is and why you think it is so much more powerful than previous years. Yeah, this year is definitely, it's a different format. We're at the SCG. I had to Google map that myself too because I'm not sporty. And That's why it's, Courtney should be here. She could tell us everything. Right? Oh, it was like we were doing rehearsals the other day and I was like, how long's a football field? Is this a football field? I don't know. Um, I'm not sporty at all. But um, yeah, it's going to be the SCG. It's a ticketed event. It's COVID safe. Um, for us, the I guess the background work and logistics of it all is completely different. Um, for so many years, we've had a clear run sheet of how it looks running down Oxford Street, and this year it's very different, um, particularly around our messaging. Our messaging at HG with the First Nations float has been always about issues of injustice that our people face. But yeah. this year, I think it's particularly important that we highlight um, our key messaging, which is around black excellence, Black Lives Matter, and deaths in custody. We know 2020, we faced a pandemic of COVID-19, but really like we as black people have been facing a pandemic of racism mm. since the last 250 years, since Captain Cook arrived here. So um, for us, it's about continuing to highlight those injustices that our people face. It's about highlighting that black lives still matter. You may have deleted that black tile off your Instagram page, but we still matter. We're still here for, for our lives. Um, so we'll, you'll see like a lot of black leather in our um, ensembles, in our costumes. That is really like a sign of respect to the Black Panther movement. Mm -hmm. um, particularly for us in Australia, I think um, as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, we identify so much with the African-American struggle because we yeah. see so many similarities. So we want to pay our respects to the Black Panther movement that started there and then came here within Australia. We want to pay our respects to the Black Lives Matter movement. We want to continue to highlight to the world, because this is broadcast, the program we broadcast around the world, that we as First Nation people are still dying. You know, mm -hmm. we're still getting murdered at the hands of police on our own lands. So for us and for me personally, Mardi Gras, while it's a moment to celebrate your pride as a queer person, we can't fully celebrate until our people are, you know, equal in this country, until we are stopped being murdered. You know, there are 434 deaths since the 1991 Royal Commission and not one conviction. So those are the issues that we're trying to highlight through our float to, um, on Saturday. And I've done a few media engagements this week and, you know, the media are wanting 
nice glitzy glamour grabs um you know good stories around Mardi Gras and saying well I'm really sorry but we don't have that for you we have a really hard-hitting um message about stop murdering us stop killing us and I'm sorry that doesn't fit your aesthetic but this is what we have to face every single day yeah I think that is so I literally just got chills while you were saying that because I was like yes this is this is and the First Nations float you're right has always brought that powerful message of you know last year the theme was um what matters of the, of the whole parade and the First Nations float was what matters we matter like this is a reminder um and while you know there's glitter and there's sparkles and, and all these sorts of things our float does bring a poignant message um that we want to share and I think the point that we are the first float to come out it's like actually no this is the first thing you should be thinking about Mardi Gras started as a protest and First Nations is still acting um, in that light of protest and talking about what's important to our community. Absolutely and I just want to take this moment to pay respect to the elders and to the people before us who fought for our position in parade Mm. Um, you know there are a lot of key people in community I'm not going to name them all because I don't want to leave anybody out (laughs) but I just want to pay respect they know who they are community know who they are and they fought so hard to get us our position in the parade and our rightful position Mm -hmm. so I do want to pay my respect to them and acknowledge them as well. Yeah absolutely I know that definitely we had talked previously as well about what this episode would be and talked with black because they're working with you on the on the float as well and I really want to do that sort of historical piece about how First Nations became a part of this I mean you know you you had black people who were part of the 78ers like just full stop like we've been there from the get-go there are so many people who have continued to fight for our place um, not only in the wider community but also like strengthened community as well I know that for some people particularly in like regional communities um, we've been impacted by like Christianity and and colonization and, and how that shifted the way we view queer people within our communities And there are so many people who've been absolute trailblazers in living their authentic lives. So in the future, definitely, um, once we have the resources, because we're sitting here in a room that they let us use with one microphone, um, I want to do that historical piece about what this looks like. Hey, a quick moment just to give a shout out to our sponsor for today's episode. Um, of course, you know Jane is from Acon, and Acon is here for community health, inclusion, and HIV responses for people of diverse sexualities and genders. They create opportunities for people in communities to live their healthiest lives. Their head office is located in Sydney, and they also have offices in regional centres across New South Wales. They provide services and programs locally, statewide, and nationally. To learn more about what Acon is doing, go to www.acon.org.au. Back to the podcast. You've, I guess not recently, but um, in the last year or so, joined ACON, um, working on the Aboriginal project in particular. And last year was the first float that you were actually, you know, you're here taking care of organising the float and also being a part of it. And that's also the first float that you had got to go in as well, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So I was really lucky. Um, I started working at ACON in January of 2020, mm-hmm. which um, was an interesting start to a new role because it was like at the height of Mardi Gras season prep. 
Um, so I started the new role and it was all kind of uphill, Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras, fair day, <laughs> parade, um, which was a really great way to start a role because I, I thrive being busy. Mm-hmm. Um, so producing the First Nations float last year um, was an incredible experience. It was my first time being involved behind the scenes. It was also my first time being able to walk down Oxford Street. Yay. Um, yeah, which was an incredible experience for me because I've been wanting to do it for over a decade. Um, and, you know, one of my aunties has been involved in Mardi Gras for since before I was born and has marched many times. Mm. Um, and it was such a beautiful moment because I was able, she was on the sidelines in the VIP section watching and I had one of my cousins marching with me down the um, Oxford Street and it was such a beautiful moment that we got to march past her and there she was, tears in her oh. eyes and I was crying. And it was just like, I think for her particularly because she, um, you know, has been openly out um, in within our family and one of like few people within my immediate family who is queer. Mm. Um, growing up, she was always just a lesbian auntie to me. Um, and I never Goals, saw though. That's what I want my life to be. <laughs> she was a lesbian auntie who lived in Newtown and Petersham, who I got to go and stay with on weekends. And she'd take me to the ice cream shop in Newtown and, like, down King Street. And Yay. we'd go flower picking at night time. And That's it was, like, the most amazing experience. And I was just like, oh, my God, goals. Like, you are That's cool what auntie. I want to be. My sister just had a baby, so now I'm an auntie. And that's the, one, the first gift I ever gave this baby was um, a gay BC's book. So, like, you go through A is for ally, B is for bisexual, yeah. and I wrote from your favourite gay aunties. Oh, my God, that's so beautiful. Oh, yeah. I'll have to get one of those for one of my nieces. <laughs> um, my, one of my um, – I'm having a niece soon, I'm pretty sure. Well, we're not sure of the gender yet, but mm-hmm. we're ho- hopefully it's a, a girl because we need more girls in my family. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was such a beautiful experience. She was on the VIP section and we got to walk past and I got to run over and give her a hug. And like really, I think for her, that would have just been such a touching moment to be involved in this, you know, this movement, this First Nations Mardi Gras movement for so long and then being able to sit up there in the VIP section and watch the next generation come through. Yeah, um, yeah it's just a beautiful moment for our whole family. Yeah, that's incredible. You're right. We really do stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us. And for other um, floats, it, it might just be like, oh, my God, let's dress up and like, let's put some feathers on and let's go celebrate, which is incredible. And that's like such an important thing to do as a queer person to celebrate who you are because in so many spaces you can't do that. But particularly for the First Nations float, we really are here because of the work that's been done of, from so many people before. Um, but to talking about obviously coming from um, those who have fought for our position in the First Nations float, the reminder this year that our lives matter and we're still being killed um, and someone needs to do something about this and change needs to happen. Um, Where to next for, I guess not Mardi Gras, but for the First Nations float and for the Aboriginal project at ACON as well? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I really haven't thought too far ahead at the moment, um, but where to next? I mean, we've got a lot of great initiatives planned for this year for the Aboriginal Project at ACON. Um, after Mardi Gras, I will give you a sneak peek, but we're launching just a really um, grassroots initiative called Mob Picnic Series, mm. and it's going to be about just reconnecting community. We know 2020 was rough. We know people feeling super isolated. And, you know, our culture is founded on yarning, it's founded on our connection, it's founded on us being in the same 
vicinity as each other mm-hmm. so zoom while it's great it doesn't really hit um you know what we need for our culture and for our social and emotional well-being so um after mardi gras i'll be launching a picnic series which will be happening every month down at redfern park and it'll just be an open invitation for all aboriginal Torres Strait Islander queer mob or aboriginal Torres Strait Islander hiv positive mob um, to come down have a feed yarn we'll do some cultural activities like we might do some weaving we might do some storytelling and language mm-hmm. different things like that just to reconnect everyone and help everyone just feel like they're not so alone anymore because 2020 was very isolating for a lot of people so um that's one of the little things that we'll be working on um yeah that's exciting i think it's going to be really lovely and also redfern being such a significant place for community and for coming together is a nice place for those to be happening as well absolutely i mean that's why i picked redfern it's central but it's also such a significant place for mob and i know i mean i live here in redfern and Mm. i moved up from wollongong and i was like redfern's the only suburb i can live in (laughs) and people like why like why wouldn't you live out marrickville or and i was like yeah marrickville's really don't be shady towards marrickville you know that's where i live oh i did it i did it i really did and then i was like no like i love marrickville and like Newtown and all of that but I was like I've got to be in Redfern because I've got to be able to see black faces yeah true and I'm like and also like my gym's here like low-key but um (laughs) yeah no so I know Redfern is such a safe place for mobs so that's why I picked Redfern I thought Redfern Park's beautiful people can bring their dogs you Mm -hmm. know our skates we love our dogs Mm -hmm. um or you can bring your kitten me I have a new kitten everyone by the way (laughs) Um, yeah, so it's just, look, it's a really informal kind of um, get together for everyone just to reconnect. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited about that. Keep an eye on our Instagram and Facebook and you'll see some comments around that. Yeah, great. So where can people find um, all of the resources? So what is the Facebook and Instagram? Give us a plug. Tell us where we need to yes. go. Um, so our Instagram is Aboriginal underscore project. Mm-hmm. Um, please go and give us a follow. We just launched our Instagram late last year. So um, please go give us a follow. And our Facebook is Aboriginal Project Acon. Um, so give us a like, um, slide into my DMs anytime, <laughs> I will reply. <laughs> is there anything that I guess for maybe someone who maybe is growing up in Wollongong now or some of our regional communities who listen here or even someone here based in Sydney, is there something that you feel is important and poignant that you personally would like to share or of course on behalf of the Aboriginal project as well? Absolutely. I think for me, um, the message that I always like to share, particularly for young people or people who are just coming to terms with their identity, whether it's their gender identity or their sexuality, that you are 100% loved and valid and you are 100% welcome in these spaces. Um, I know that in particular around our First Nations Mardi Gras um, float, we see a lot of people coming back time and time again, which is great. But I also want to not like let people know that there is space for our newbies. There is mm. space for new faces um, and new people to come through. And you're absolutely welcome to come and you're absolutely loved as well. Um, so come down to one of our po- picnic series and have a yarn and meet, like connect with your community, come and meet us. Like mm. we love to see you. Yeah. Get online or get on to the TV or online, wherever you're watching, a little bit early. There'll be a beautiful welcome to country ceremony, mm-hmm. which will um, be conducted. And then obviously wear first cap off the rank. So um, make sure that you're watching from about, I don't know, quarter to six. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you get us. Um, take photos. Mm. Um, upload them to Instagram, mm-hmm. hashtag coming out black and yeah. hashtag Aboriginal project. Yeah. Um, we'd love to see your viewing party from home, whether you've got your dogs and your cats with you. That'd be so cool. Homemade cocktails, whatever you're doing, we'd love to see that engagement on social media from you and include you in our parade as well. Yeah, 100%. And even if you're not going um, out for Mighty Gras this year, I know a lot of people are staying home and watching it from home because of COVID, obviously. Dress up. I want to be seeing people wearing red, black and yellow or all black like our float is um, and take photos and 
share them as well. So it's connecting people who even if they can't be there, I know you had to buy tickets to actually watch this year um, if you want to be there face to face. So still dress up, still have a party um, and make sure to tag us and and use the hashtags on Instagram. Um, But Jane, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing with us a little bit about the message behind the float this year. I know it's going to be extremely powerful. I'm so excited to be marching with you and the rest of the incredible deadly mob that are doing it with us. Um, And until next time, because I'm sure that we'll have you on another time. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Um, You know, I just want to give a shout out to you um, (laughs) for creating such a beautiful podcast and such a beautiful space for us to share our stories. So thank you so much for having me and I look forward to coming on next time. Yay. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Oh, <laughs>